Uh, hey, if you have a Bible, uh, let's go ahead, open it up. We're going to go two places today. Uh, we're going to go Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to go Ephesians 2. Uh, over the next couple weeks, we are going to get um, accustomed to Ephesians 2. So if you want to like put your bookmarker there, you can do that. That way you're not wasting time on Sundays. Uh, and so I, let's start this way. I love uh, this time of year. Uh, I, I love going from Thanksgiving to Christmas uh, to New Year's. I, I love uh, getting to take some time because, because when we enter the holiday season, uh, there's, to me, there's a different feel in the atmosphere. And, uh, and I love going uh, like we did last week in Thanksgiving. And I love going to God and saying, hey, uh, I am thankful for these things that you have made possible in my life. I love looking ahead here in the next couple of weeks as uh, we gear up for uh, 2019. And, uh, and, and I tend to spend the month of December uh, in prayer and meditation and reading and, and asking God, hey, what, what are the adventures you have for us? What are the adventures you have not only uh, for Merge, but, and not only for my family, but, but for me? What are you calling me to go out and do and and I love asking him those things because he answers in some of the most incredible ways and, and but but what I love the most though is Christmas. Uh I do. I I love so much about it. Uh I I love what Christmas means to the believer. What this time of year uh, what it what it should draw our hearts towards as we celebrate the birth of Christ and the significance uh, that His arrival has uh, and how it's just as important today that, as it was over 2,000 years ago. And now, However, I, I know this about us, that it's really easy during this season to lose the magic of Christmas. Uh, it, is, it is very simple to get lost in the hustle of of holiday parties, of of family expectations, of uh, the the gift buying, the gift wrapping. The uh, we're in Advent season now, so you have to watch either the Christmas Story, Elf, or Die Hard once a day for the next 25 days. Right? Uh, that's that's the way we enter into the season, and it's entirely possible that a whole Christmas season can come and go in. And we can spend very little time considering the incredible truth of Jesus' arrival. Uh, in fact, for some, we can make it through this entire month and, and, and we can see a nativity scene and that could remind us of little baby Jesus, right? Uh, or we could be yelling at our kids on Christmas morning as we're wrap, picking up all the, the gift wrapping and we're like, this is for Jesus' birthday, you guys should help out, Right? Uh, we, we could completely miss the mark and then the day could come and it could go and then we could say, all right, well, what's next? And, and that's, a, that's a shame uh, because we, we want to be able to come in as believers and make much about Christmas. That it's, that it's, it's a time for worship. It's a time for for expectancy and joy and celebration. And, and Christ is to be made much of because His arrival begins significant steps in our liberation from sin and death. And, and so, so our aim these next couple of weeks, as you 
uh, as you come and spend some time with us, is to do exactly that. Uh, to, to build anticipation so that as we arrive on December 25th, we can continue to make much of Christ for what He has made possible for us. And so, so the way we're going to do this, we, we've cleverly called this series uh, Christmas in Ephesians 2. Uh, and so the way this is going to work is, is we're going to spend some time in some moments that we find in the Gospels. Today will be Matthew 1. Uh, and then we will see our story played out in Ephesians 2. It's going to take us about uh, two or three weeks to work our way through the verses of Ephesians 2. Uh, but what it does, though, is it tells our story of why the coming of Christ is so significant. And so, so I'm, I'm excited about it because our stories are found in these pages. Uh, both our, our life apart from God and the effects of life with God found in Jesus. And so, so let's pray and then we'll get going. Father, we come to you. And we are thankful for the songs that we just had the privilege to sing. That we got to lift high the name of your Son. That we got to make much of your fame and your glory. And we pray as we open up your word this morning that your Holy Spirit would continue speaking to us. That we would be reminded of some great truths today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right. So, so like I said, each week we're going to encounter a scene in the Gospels which will foretell uh, Jesus' arrival and a very specific role uh, that He will fulfill. So next week uh, we're going to spend some time with the shepherds. Uh, on the 16th we're going to spend some time uh, with Mary. But today in Matthew 1 uh, we're going to spend some time with a guy named Joseph. Okay, and, and now as we approach Matthew 1, let me give you just a little bit of Bible nerd info if that's okay with you. All right, so, so Matthew is written to Jewish people proclaiming that Jesus is the king. Okay, that's the overarching message in all the chapters. Uh, Matthew is talking to Jewish people saying, hey, the king is here. He has come. He is reigning forever. That's what, that's what Matthew wants us to understand. So when we get to the very first chapter, we see in the first 17 verses a genealogy. Uh, and it's basically tracing the line of Jesus, it goes from Jesus back to David and from David back to Abraham. There's incredible balance in it. We don't have the time to go through all 17 uh, verses there, but it is an incredible journey when you spend some time in the Old Testament and you find out just some of the circumstances that had to play themselves out in order for these people to end up where they were at. It's, in, it's incredible, especially, especially all the ladies listed in Matthew chapter 1. All right? I'll give you that for homework this week. You'll love it. Um, and so, uh, so as, we, as we approach 18, Matthew is going to let us know about Joseph because Joseph is in the line of King David. Now, here's what you need to know. Again, a little bit of Bible nerd stuff. All right? David has been, uh, God has entered into a covenant with David and he's, his promise is simply this. There will be a king who reigns forever in your line. Okay? So Matthew takes us to Joseph and Joseph is going to take us to Jesus so that we can proclaim that the king has come. And so, so this, is, this is where we go. Uh, let's jump in verse 18. You ready to go, uh, Luke? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, all right? When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, that's a significant little bit of information, 
All right, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, so, so now, now when it says Joseph was a just man and willing to per, put her to shame, uh, we need to realize this wasn't, hey, Joe was a good guy and he didn't want to take her to the Maury Povich show to find out who the baby daddy was. Okay? All right? It wasn't an inconvenience about, hey, we got to find out who you've been sleeping with kind of stuff. Okay? When, when a woman was betrothed to a man in Mosaic law and she was found to be with child before they came together, the law brought a death sentence. Okay? So you need to understand the weight of that. This wasn't like, oh man, you shouldn't have done that, now you break it off. That, that when she was betrothed to him, he had legal claim to take her to court. And then the people who would give the judgment, the judges, they had every right to send her to a death sentence. Okay, so when it says that Joseph was a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, this is, was a significant thing that was going on in their time. And instead, he, he kinda, he's considering just to break it off. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, there's a connection, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, let me, let me just say this. That's weird, right? right? Can, can we be honest enough to be like, that's, that's weird. Joseph has this dream and the angel of the Lord says, hey, that baby, don't worry about it. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's cool. Right? And it takes... I believe that takes a kind of faith, a healthy kind of faith, and a certain kind of circumstance to walk in Joseph's shoes. I really do believe. And we can, we can try to make Joseph a, a great hero of faith, and I'm not saying that that's not warranted. Uh, but, but we can also realize that God will do incredible things in incredible circumstances through the lives of everyday people. Okay? And this is, what jo- this is who Joseph is. Right? By trait, he's a carpenter. That's what we find out a little bit later. By trait, he is just some guy who builds some things. And yet God has chosen through his family line to bring a Savior to the world. So, but Joseph's not the hero of this scene. All right? Understand that. Anytime you tell the Christmas story, you always have to get to Jesus. You always have to keep going because that's where the hero of the story shows up. Verse 21, she, the angel's telling Joseph this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All right, just underline those in your Bible. It's okay. You can make it dirty a little bit. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Alright, so this reference in verse 23 is found in Isaiah 7. Now the significance of Isaiah 7 is that it was written, it was said centuries before this moment. Okay, so... 
So God with us. This is the promise that God with us. The title Emmanuel is helpful because it opens the door for us to be able to take all of our desires, to take all of our temptations to Jesus. Because He has, He will have experienced those same desires, those same temptations, and yet was found without sin. And so we serve a God who is intimately, intimately near to us. Let's circle back because verse 21 is where I want us to, to spend our time focused on this morning. It says this, She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, okay? For he will save his people from their sins. He will save their, his people from their sins. And we can believe Jesus came for a lot of different reasons. And some of those reasons can be good. Some of those reasons can be bad. Some of those reasons can be true. Some of those reasons can be false. But the chief role, here's what I need you to understand. The chief role of Christ is that He would bring glory to the Father, right? By saving His people from their sins. That's His chief role. He will bring glory to the Father by saving His people from their sins. So just so that we're on the same page, let's talk about, um, let's talk about why Jesus comes. And we're going to build on this each week. So this is the first part of the three reasons of why Jesus came. And the first reason is simply this, to save His people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. You can also see 1 Peter chapter 2. You can also see Isaiah 53. You can also see Hebrews chapter 9. What are you doing, fly? Shoo, don't bother me. Um, so that's, that's the chief aim. Chief aim of Christ is glorifying God by saving us. Now, now we've, used a, we've introduced a word here this morning, haven't we? Saved. And if you spent much time with church folk, you will learn that we hardly ever have an idea of what that word means. We'll, we'll try to fit it into a lot of different definitions. And so, so what do we mean here when we say, when we use that word saved? What are we communicating? Uh, so when we speak of someone being saved, we, we ultimately communicate two things. And the first one is this, that someone was in danger and unable to rescue himself from a terrible fate. Someone was in danger and unable to rescue himself from a terrible fate. Not, not a person who falls down and could get up on their own, but instead takes the hand that's been extended to them. That, that we're talking about a dire situation where no hope and self-ability is possible. What they need is a hero. And so, so when we speak about being saved, we communicate, secondly, that someone else rescuing, redeeming, and delivering the person from danger. That's what we mean. Now, now there's, again, there's a dire situation. No matter the effort, one could not rescue themselves. Someone steps in, brings that person out of danger into safety. Out of danger into safety. And that's, that's the breakdown of being saved, right? Both physically and spiritually, that's the way it works itself out. And that's, why, that's what Joseph is told his son Jesus would do. He would save his people from their sins. But now, the question needing to be introduced is, what's the problem with our sins, right? What's the problem with sin? That's why we go to Ephesians 2. All right, that's, that's why we're in here. And I love Ephesians 2 because it, 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 it tells our story as it collides with the effects of the gospel. 
Okay? Uh, in fact, it's not a tender exchange either. Uh, that, that the first few verses here, I think first three verses, are going to tell our state apart from Jesus, and, and through its power, it's stronger than us. Like it's beating us. But it gets obliterated by Christ. Okay? What was defeating us, what was killing us, gets obliterated by Christ on the cross. And so, so as we travel through these seven verses, I want us, we're just going to simply read and we're going to walk through some questions to better understand what the Apostle Paul is explaining to us. And so, so he's going to start with our need. He's going to start with us. He's going to start with our need to be saved, which is why we're going to ask, why do I need to be saved at all? And so this is where he starts in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, in you, okay, so who? You, all right, you, not me, not only me, but you, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Now, now again, Paul is writing, not again, but Paul, he's writing to the Ephesians church. He's writing to believers. And so he says, as a believer, this used to be you. Now, if you were not found in Christ today, he's saying this is where you were at. This is the circumstance of your life among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Right? And all that just says, boy, I love Christmas. Right? Makes me feel all nice and get my hot chocolate and curl up to Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. Right? So here's our question. Why do I need to be saved? And the answer is simply this, because sin leads to death. Because sin leads to death. These verses, they are vital for us and they shouldn't be overlooked because before we can understand, before we can embrace our identity in Christ, we have to first accept our identity apart from Him. Uh, Becoming a Christian is not merely accepting this truth about Jesus as our Savior. It also accepts this truth about us as needy sinners. That, that I, don't, I don't have to guilt you into this awareness because regardless of how hard or soft I come this morning, it remains true that, that apart from Jesus, even the most honorable, even the kindest, most, most moralistic person around us apart from Christ is lost and is dead in their sins and their trespasses. That good will never, ever, ever be good enough. And so, so when he says to sin, when he says that we're... we're uh, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin, we need to understand that, that sin is simply to, to miss the mark uh, of a standard or the law. Uh, to trespass is a presumptuous sin. Uh, it, it says, I, I want to intentionally disobey what I know to be right. Uh, it's, it's, I will trespass. I will cross the line on purpose. And Paul says these two actions are sinful. That all sin leads to death. So our, our bigger issue isn't are we good or are we bad, it's are we dead or are we alive. That's, that's the issue at play. And so, so when you are dying, you need a Savior to rescue you. You need someone more capable than your own abilities to bring you from the grips of death to life. And so Paul, Paul paints this really dark picture, doesn't he? 
He says, he says our actions in these verses, that, that we carry out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature we are children of wrath. And again, it's a hard word, but nonetheless true. Even as believers, we don't have to act like we don't at times feel the pull of desires, of the desires of our flesh. And so, so, so knowing this about us, we can understand our state of, apart from knowing Christ so that when we come to faith in Him, we can make much of what He's done. We can, which is why verse 4 begins this, this ramp up of praise for God's great love for us. So, so the question we're about to answer is, is who are we saved by, right? And so, so uh, Paul will say it this way in verse 4. He says, but God, okay, I love it. I love it when we get to those words, all right? Something really bad's happening, but God, right? Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Okay, so we're going to stop there just for a moment. So why are, who are we saved by? We are saved by God through Jesus. By God through Jesus. And this is important because we see that our salvation is motivated by, powered through the great love of God. That from the early moments after the original fall of man, God has shown undeserved mercy all the way to this very moment. Undeserved mercy. And, and Paul Paul just told us that our, our, what our state was before we were saved, and, and none of those actions are attractive when we put them on display, right? None of them. None of those actions would woo God into acting on our behalf, and yet, because He loves us, because He, lo- because he loves you, and He loves me, He shows us the rich depths of His mercy. Because He doesn't just love us so much to sweep our sin under the rug and our trespasses under the rug. He, he can't do that. He can't just sweep those away and remain just because sin has a cost. And the cost, like we just said, is death, both physical, physical and spiritual. And this is why the cross is so important because Christ pays the ransom for our lives with His. He does. However, God, God is not obligated hear me when i say this okay because a lot of us treat god in this way god is not obligated to respond to us in any way in any way he's motivated by his love and we could spend years honestly we we could spend years just meditating on verse four and we would still barely have just a scoop of it all right because it's huge it's rich but we are saved for purpose, not by chance. And so our next question is, what are we saved for? What are we saved for? And verse, uh, verse 5 puts it this way. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, okay, and we're talking about God, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He raised us up with Him, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so God makes us alive in Christ. He makes us alive. Even, even that is, is praiseworthy, but it doesn't just stop there, right? He raises us up. He seats us with Him. He brings us into His care, and He seats us at His table. Okay? You are, if you are found in Christ, you are by 
His designation to you, a child of God. You are a full heir to the inheritance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so all that God does in us happens with Christ through His resurrection from the dead and His exaltation at the right hand of God. And while this is, this is almost too magnificent to believe it, it's so true. What God has accomplished in Christ, He has accomplished for us. And so, so what are we saved for? Okay? What are we saved for? Am I, am I saved so that I can go to heaven in part? Yes but not in full. Because what we are saved for is to make much of the love of God by pointing our lives to the work of Jesus. That's the role of the Christian. We make much of the love of God by pointing our lives to the work of Jesus. The truth is that, that through salvation by grace, uh, that, that though salvation by grace seems simple, it's actually very hard because it requires that we humble that we humbly come empty-handed to God. We earn nothing because Jesus earns it all. We boast in nothing because Jesus is our boasting. We don't save ourselves, Jesus alone saves us. So the message of our lives become about what Christ has done for us. So so we have we have a few firefighters that that are here at Merge. And so, so let's let's use this illustration. Let's let's suppose uh, they're not here right now. Scott and, and Kyle, um, uh, they're they're both firefighters uh, in Fort Worth. Allegedly, I've never actually seen them do anything. Um, but but let's suppose, let's suppose I find myself in my house, and it's on fire, and a beam from the roof falls down because Scott built my house, and I don't know about that either, right? So, so let's suppose fire's going on, beam falls. I'm out of luck. It doesn't matter how many, uh, how many days I've worked out in my life. It doesn't matter how healthy or strong that I may be. There is no hope for me because I can't lift the beam up. And so as I'm laying there contemplating the last moments of my life, right? right? Wondering how long it will take, how many hours before Misty replaces me with someone else. Okay? As I'm sitting here thinking through this, all of a sudden, Scott and Kyle come in kicking the door to push their mustaches leading the way, right? It's very heroic. And they together lift the beam. And then they both carry me out, right? One on each shoulder. I don't want to say who's stronger than the other. We're not going to get into that argument, right? So they carry me out. And let's say it was such a big fire that all the news organizations were out. And they got their cameras and... They see me coming out, and they see them carrying me, and they ask me to tell them what has happened. Do you suppose this is a moment to make much of myself or make much of them? Do you suppose that, that it, it would not be fitting if I was like, boy, I was really stuck there, and then they came in, and I was like, no, no, guys, give me a few more moments. I think I can get this on my own. Do you suppose it would be honoring to them if I spent my time saying, boy, I was in this fire, but I sure am out now, and let me tell you about myself. No, my, my job, my role in this moment, it's like these, look at these guys. 
Look at these mustaches that are just flowing. Look at this. I want to make much of them for what they've done for me. I want to be able to say, hey, I was, I was out of hope. I was done. There was no possible way I could have rescued myself. No possible way. But yet they have rescued me. And because of what they have done, I get to live. And every time that camera wants to point at me, I'm like, no, 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 no. Look right here. These two. Look what they have done. And then I get to spend my time telling people, hey, you won't believe what has happened to me. I was done for. And we can get that, right? We're like, that makes sense because they're heroes. That's firefighters. They are, they are heroes. They, they do those things on a daily basis and they save cats too. So what does it say about our lives when it's easier for us to get our minds around that scenario and yet we've been believers for years and we would have never said the same to Jesus? What, is it, what does it say about us? You were done for. Without hope. Like this wasn't a, Jesus came into the burning building and said, hey, would you like some help? And you're like, yeah, I'm okay. I'll find another way. No. You were done. And yet He carries you undeserved to safety. And the beautiful thing about Christ is He doesn't just leave you there either. He restores you. He makes you whole again. He takes your wounds from your burns and He heals them with His own flesh. And He gives you a life worth living. That when the cameras are on you, you say, no, 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 you've got this wrong. It's there. It's there. Those cameras should always be there. When you have the opportunity to talk about your life, you say, no, 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 you got it wrong. It's not about this. It's about there. It's always about there. Because my rescuing is not about me, but about the one who, who did the rescuing. So let's, let's come back to verses 5 and 6, because I was dead. We sang that today, right? We, it's ironic how many of these songs fit in today. Um, I was dead, and because of God's great love through Jesus, I am brought back to life. I am restored in abundance as a child of God. And so the praise of my life points to Him, or at least it should. I make it my mission to live worthy of being saved. And I make every possible extension of my life this, this proclamation of what Christ has done. And so as we'll start wrapping this up. So, so why, does, why does God do this? Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, okay? We live in the coming ages. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, now when we use that word immeasurable, it can be confusing because there's a lot of letters in it. Okay? So, so how much riches does, does God have in grace and kindness towards us? 
You tell me. It doesn't stop. It is literally immeasurable. Literally. Missy's like, yeah. It's immeasurable. So why does God do this? Why does God take you and me, who are by nature children of wrath, why does He proclaim His love for us through Jesus? Why does He lift us up with Christ? And it's to show us His grace and His kindness towards us in Jesus. God, God doesn't have to prove to us He is graceful and kind. He is, he's modeled that just by allowing us to have the very breath we're breathing right now. We are raised up. We are seated with Christ so that God may put His delight on display. He is immeasurably rich. He is immeasurably rich in grace and kindness towards us. Because Jesus saves us from our sins. Which takes us back to Matthew chapter 1. For you will have a son. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. So this is, this is where we are. This is what we get to celebrate today. This is what we get to, to build uh, today's the second, so I guess the next 23 days of anticipation. That, that over these next couple days, we get to be drawn closer to the heart of God while we remember God's great love for us in Christ. And so the question is, ultimately is simply twofold. If you are found in Christ, if you have given your life to Him, does the proclamation of your life say that? Do the actions of your hands show that? And then if you aren't found in Christ, I hope what we've done over these last few minutes is paint a very accurate picture of your situation. There are a lot of reasons why people come to Jesus. And not all of them are good. Not all of them are right or fair. But we come to Jesus because apart from Him we are hopeless. So, as we wrap up today, we're going to make a couple things available to you. If you've never given your heart to Christ, we want to walk with you in that today. Uh, James and, and Courtney and the Hansons are going to be over here. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you today. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you. This is a hard season for a lot of people. It's been a hard last couple of days here just in the families of the life at Merge. So we want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to strengthen you. We want to battle alongside you. If we can't do that without us being vulnerable with one another and going to God together in prayer. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your love for us. I thank You that You take us from a place of a very undeserved mercy and You just lavish us with it. pray this morning that you would quicken our hearts to you. 
that You would show us, as You have time and time again, how You are our source of great refuge. We love You. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.